All right, Anderson, thank you very much. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. Tonight, the former Deputy Attorney General, Rod Rosenstein, was giving a speech. He came right at former FBI Director uh, Jim Comey, calling him a political pundit. The question is, though, can he counter Comey's argument for obstruction by this president? But we have more breaking news tonight that is certainly more urgent, actually. Learning that A.G. Barr has assigned a top federal prosecutor to investigate the origins of the Mueller probe. That, according to a new report, we know who it is, we know his history, and this man named Durham is no joke when he is put on a case. Also, new word tonight on events that led to the subpoena for Donald Trump Jr. We now know what prompted the Republican-controlled Senate panel to issue the summons, but what we don't get is why Lindsey Graham, the head of the Senate Judiciary Committee, is telling Trump to ignore it. We're going to get reaction from prominent Senator Joe Manchin ahead. He helped confirm the attorney general. Does he regret it? What does he think of his putting his own man on the case to look at what was done in the campaign? It is a new week, but everything is getting bigger than before. So let's get after it. Breaking news this hour, CNN has learned the attorney general, Bill Barr, has again raised the stakes. He's tapped a top federal prosecutor to investigate the origins of the Russia investigation. Now, we know that the president has been talking about this. We know that the AG said in congressional testimony that he thinks that there had been spying. But we also know that the IG, the inspector general, Mr. Horowitz, is looking at this right now. So what will John Durham. He is the top federal prosecutor in Connecticut, nominated by this president uh, to head that position. But he's been in the DOJ since 1982. And he has been relied on by attorneys general of both parties before. This guy is no joke. And him being on top of the Justice Department's uh, probe into this doesn't have any special powers, but this is a man who knows how to do this job. Let's get reaction from a fellow senator um, to both. Knows Lindsey Graham, knows what's going on with everybody here. Joe Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia. We're a little harried here. This information just coming out. The New York Times just broke the story. Uh, were you aware that the AG had put the Connecticut U.S. attorney on the case of looking into the origins of the FBI investigation into Russian interference? Well, first, Chris, good to be with you. Good and, to be with you. Uh, and I did not know until I just heard you and, and the promo about two minutes ago. So what do you know about Mr. Durham? I mean, you know any of his history that I've been talking about? Janet uh, Reno used him. Uh, Holder wound up uh, expanding his credentials in terms of what he was looking at. I think Mukasey used him also. And then, I, and then Holder must have expanded it from then. Now Barr is using him. Well, he sounds well qualified and, and has much experience. Uh, I just can't figure out what they're going to try to undo. You know, if you want to know what led to the investigation, it was the evidence. I was on Intel Committee. Uh, we watched all this thing unfold, and it was the evidence that led us in the direction we went uh, as far as in the Intel Committee and the Mueller, two years of Mueller investigation. Uh, you have people that have pleaded guilty, people that have been sentenced to prison for wrongdoing. Uh, I was very happy to see that our president was not involved in colluding with uh, foreign agents and foreign country against our country. And I didn't think that was the case, but that was proven. But there were people that did an awful lot of wrong that was proven also, and they're paying the price for that. Oh, it was true. And there was a lot of wrong that wasn't criminal. 
I mean, there was a lot of collusion, attempts at contacts, at meetings, yeah. trying to get access. Oh, yeah. You know, that's all collusion. It may not be a crime, but it may be something you answer for politically. Uh, but you know what they want, Senator. You know what your friend Lindsey Graham wants and others like him. They believe that this was a Fugazi investigation, that you faked the finding to the FISA court to look at Carter Page. Not you, but that, you know, the <laughs> FBI investigators faked the evidence, that they relied on the dossier, that they had nothing and that this has been political from the start by a deep state lefty cabal. This is not the Lindsay I know. Uh, let me just say that. Lindsey Graham's been a dear friend since I've been in the Senate. I can't explain uh, what's going on right now and his thought process. I know he lost his dear, dear friend, John McCain, and our dear ally, and that might have had some effect, but I, I really can't speak for that. I just know that the facts of what we're seeing unfold and what has happened has been because that it was clear and evident. I mean, the evidence we have was very clear. Have you talked to him about any of this? Uh, we spoke, uh, oh, not maybe a week ago, a little bit about what was going on. And he felt very strongly about what he's saying. So I never doubted his sincerity telling, about it. He's telling he's, Trump Jr. to break the law. He's telling him wrong. to ignore a Senate subpoena. Well, I spoke to him before I heard he said that because I can say I can tell you this. Uh, being on Intel Committee last year, we were going down one path. The Mueller investigation started, and we were not going to not do our job. Uh, I have all the respect uh, for Richard Burr uh, and uh, Mark Warner. That committee is the most bipartisan committee that I've had the pleasure of serving on since I've been in the Senate. They're most professional. The staff is excellent, and they're doing their job, and they cross their T's and dot their I's and take their time to do the research to make sure that they are exact. Look, they've been pretty clean all along. I'm talking about Lindsey Graham, though, over on the judiciary side. I mean, he yeah. is someone who people have always respected for his legal acumen. Now he's making the complete opposite arguments in yeah. favor of Trump that he made against President Clinton, that he pointed out about obstruction, that he pointed out about subpoenas, and referring to what triggered Watergate. Where, where is I this I, I, I wish I knew. I, this is all I can say is not to Lindsey that I have known. And uh, for him to do and say the things that he has said here of late makes, uh, doesn't make a lot of sense to us who have been close friends of his. Hmm. Uh, let's stick with you here for one second here. Okay. Um, you voted for A.G. Barr. Yeah. Um, when you see what he has done now, if you could go back, hindsight's always twenty twenty. would you cast your vote differently? Let me say, let me put it back in, 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 in content here. First of all, I voted for uh, most of the appointments that have been put before me if they were qualified and of good standing. I might not agree with their politics. Uh, I might not have uh, uh, been a big fan of theirs in the past, but if they were qualified and of good standing, I always gave the executive uh, the differential that they should have in putting their staff together. As a former governor, I asked state senators to do the same for me. With what voting for Mr. Barr the way I did and seeing after uh, what he has talked about and what's come out as far as in, in his testimony before the Senate uh, gave me great concern about the Mueller report. He interpreted it one way. He did not think that Mueller had any uh, concerns or consternation about how he evaluated it. Uh, I said I wanted to hear from Mr. Mueller mm -hmm. before I could tell you or anybody else, Chris, that I made a mistake. And I was waiting to hear that, seeing that now he's doubling down, trying to find out how the investigation started. Uh, it gives me even more pause. Uh, I still want to hear from Mr. Mueller before I can tell you either I made a grave mistake, and I'm sorry for that, 
or I think the man is still qualified. I just disagree with him. Your man, Lindsey Graham, doesn't want Mueller to come either. You're, you're going to have to talk to <laughs> him about hard, that. I I'm invite him on the show all the time, By the I'm, way, I invite him on the show all the time. I don't want to talk about him. I want to talk to him. Um, so he's I'm always invited. to come on. He's always invited. Let me ask you something. See how ugly it's getting in Congress. Before I let you go, you always save the best questions for last. Oh, boy. Are you thinking at all? about going back to the state house, running for governor of West Virginia. Yeah. I know the Democrats wouldn't want to see that Senate seat up for grabs without Manchin in it to fight as a Democrat in West Virginia. But are you giving it a serious thought or no? Well, I, I have and I am. I have and I am. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. It's a state. I love my state. I really love my state of West Virginia. I was born and raised. And I know the people there and I miss them every day. And when I go back home, the greatest feeling I have is when I'm driving home, crossing the mountains into West Virginia. I feel like I've been freed. I'm back home. So, yes, I do miss it. I want to make sure that I put myself in a position I can help the state the most possible, that I, uh, most possible ways that I can. Uh, I look for everything I can do here in the Senate that helps bring opportunity to my state, but also knowing how patriotic we are, we're defending and want to be in a, in a, in a position to defend our country and keep it strong and brave Can't do and both. When do you decide? I got to make a decision pretty soon. But I, I would like to get through this summer if, uh, if that would be the case, because I just came off a grueling campaign for a year and a half. It was no cakewalk. I can tell you that it was tough. And I got to talk to my family to make sure that they're up for another one if we do this and make a decision that's really just good for the family, but also that I think I can be in a position to help the state. Well, it's all we, about West Virginia, Chris. Always has been. I've known you a long time. Yep, you look yes, the you same. Are. I look like my father now. No, when, no, I watched you. No, no, no. You're not changing. You're okay. <laughs> when you make your decision, it's going to matter a lot to my audience. Let me know so I can put I out will. word. And I'll I wish you back. the best. God bless you and the family. Joe Manchin, thank, thank you, thanks, Senator. Chris. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Now, you know, another never heard when it comes to this president. I've never heard a president praise a despot. But this president just did, and he's done it before. And he went much further than nice words. Why would you praise a man who's notorious for undermining democracy? We're going to use it as the beginning of a great debate, but we've got breaking news to digest as well. Breaking news on our watch. The attorney general has appointed a federal prosecutor. His name is John Durham. He is the U.S. attorney for Connecticut. Now, his job will be investigate the origins of the Russia investigation. This is something the president has been asking for, and it is certainly a good start for the great debate. We have Anna Navarro and Mike Shields. Both of you, thank you for making a quick adjustment and reading into this. Let's touch on it. We'll move on. We're just learning about this. Durham, Anna, is not a new name to this game. He's been in the DOJ since 1982. He was used by Janet Reno, Democrat. He was used by Mike Mukasey, Republican. He was used by Holder. They expanded him, kept him and expanded him. Now he's been using, used by Barr. So we cannot identify him as just some partisan shill. But the idea that the AG is putting him in place, Anna Navarro, to look at the origins of the investigation, when there's already another U.S. attorney looking at it out in Utah and an inspector general, your, your take on it. And look, I think they are pandering to Donald Trump and his administration. But, but, Chris, if I may, um, as they say in Congress, a point of personal privilege, I was hearing your interview with Senator Manchin about Lindsey Graham. Lindsey has been a friend of mine for so many years. I used to be able to pick up the phone and talk to Lindsey anytime I wanted. He hasn't picked up the phone in a long time, so I'm going to use your, uh, your, your show to talk to him. Look, I was so proud to be a supporter of Lindsey Graham. 
I hosted fundraisers for him. I traveled with him. I love this man. He was a truth speaker. He was a straight talker. He was John McCain's best friend. When I see what has become of Lindsey Graham right now, it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart because this is not the Lindsey Graham I know. Like Senator Manchin, I too don't recognize him. I know he is a man who loves his country, who is a patriot, who has served his country. I am proud and grateful for his service. But I am hoping uh, that Lindsey Graham realizes that he is not serving this country well. He is not serving the Constitution well. He is not serving the memory of John McCain well. Ask himself, what would John McCain do in this moment? You know, he is not in Congress. He is not in the U.S. Senate to be Donald Trump's accomplice, Donald Trump's lawyer, Donald Trump's defender, an advisor, a legal advisor for Donald Trump Jr. He is there to represent the people of South Carolina. He is there to defend the U.S. Constitution. Lindsey, go back to being Lindsey. I feel like, like it's like an episode of The Body Snatchers, that horrible sci-fi movie from the 1970s. Well, Will, uh, you know, Lindsey Graham, to hear it from his own mouth, he doesn't have any concerns or moral conundrums about what he's doing. He thinks it's, they're all questions of straight law. I don't understand why he would encourage Trump Jr. Uh, to break the law and defying a subpoena, but he's walked that back a little bit. What's your take on his posture? Well, look, I, you don't have to have a take on his hold posture. On, Anna, his, let me get Will. Let me get Will in here. Go ahead. Hey, this, this is Mike. Mike, hey, look, I'm sorry. I, I, Mike, that's ahead. all right. Look, first of all, I think Lindsey Graham represents the people of South Carolina, not pundits on CNN, not anyone in the media. He does what the voters in his state want him to do. And that's why he's going to get reelected. Secondly, I just love it when people love a politician when they're on their side and they think they have great integrity and they're so uh, uh, thoughtful when they agree with them. But when they disagree with them, they're no longer thoughtful. They're no longer an expert. They're no longer a legal expert, which Lindsey Graham is. Now they've lost their way. Maybe he was he's the same person the entire time. And he actually has an opinion about this because he's been in Congress for a long time and has a lot of expertise in it. And so I think Lindsey's doing exactly what he thinks is the right thing to do. And my guess is he has a clean conscience and he feels Mike, great about Mike, it. What do you Mike, think of Mike's not, point? Uh, I think it's um, look, it's not that I disagree with Lindsey Graham. It's that Lindsey Graham disagrees with Lindsey Graham. There is so much video evidence. There is so much, so many video clips, so much on the record about Lindsey Graham saying exactly the opposite of what he is espousing now, that the, that the hypocrisy is undeniable. And I didn't like Lindsey Graham because he was a politician. I didn't need anything for him as a politician. I knew Lindsey Graham before I was a CNN pundit. I knew Lindsey Graham when I was, you know, a young Republican supporting John McCain and believing in people yeah, Anna, who were leaders and who were inspiring he's, he's and who I thought spoke truth. Maybe I knew Lindsey Graham when he, listen, though, I knew Lindsey Graham when, I get that when, when know, he was willing to risk everything in order to do immigration reform, when he was willing to risk an election to do immigration reform. And it is, you know, it is better to lose an election than to lose your soul than to lose your integrity, than to lose your conviction, than to lose your principle, than to lose your morals, than to lose your yourself with who you are in order not to lose an election. Yes, I know his numbers were horrible before he started being Donald Trump's BFF. But is it worth it? That's an answer, you know, only he can provide. But I can tell you, this is not about me being a CNN pundit. Mike, I knew, I knew Lindsey Graham way before that. I knew him when, when I was... When I was working with John McCain, when we traveled together, when I was not on CNN. So, Mike, how do you explain the 
Obviously, look, what's Lindsey's problem? Lindsey's problem is he's said the opposite things in the past, right? When it comes to his obstruction of justice analysis, when it comes to how he sees subpoenas in terms of how they're supposed to be respected, he said the complete opposite thing that he's saying right now. How does that square with him always having been the same guy? Well, there's a lot of that going around. I mean, no, 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 no. Old, let's just stick with him. I don't care right. if it's contagious. So either, either they're all politicians and you can, see, you can cast them all with a broad stroke. Gerald Nadler, his, his idea of a contempt was completely different with Eric Holder than it is now as the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Or p- political situations change and people are politicians that way. Or, uh, you know, they change their mind. And a lot of times we love it when a politician will change their mind. Why, don't, why do they just stick to the same thing over again? Why don't they read the evidence and, and look at what's going on? You can, you can take your pick on those things. I mean, yeah, but they're both to, terrible. Because either you're just saying all politicians suck and they have situational ethics, which I happen to not believe. And I would really think, Mike, you don't believe that either. Um, Or it's that Lindsey Graham developed a new definition of what obstruction of justice is. No, what I what I what I think is that Lindsey Graham knows what he's talking about. Lindsey Graham is a person who is look at look at how Lindsey Graham uh, was during the Kavanaugh hearings. I mean, Lindsey Graham is someone who is sticking by what he thinks is the right thing to do in all circumstances. And when you happen to agree with him, you think that's wonderful. And when you happen to disagree with him, yeah, you but think she's it's got not. you on the idea that he's the one who's disagreeing with himself. But Anna, look, you know, to Mike's point, although Mike's being a little bit more cynical than I, I think is necessary here, and that certainly he has been in the past. But look, the guy was getting killed because of what he said mm-hmm. about this president during the primary. He wants to stay in office. Can't go the Tom Tillis road. Uh, You know, you wind up being caught between two different sides that don't want you. So can you blame him for making points where he sees points to be made? Yes, I can, because uh, I've known him for so very long. Look, this is the reality. Uh, Donald Trump has struck fear in the hearts of Republicans because he involves himself in primary. So, you know, um, Most of the Republicans who were against Donald Trump, whoever spoke up against him, whoever dared criticize him, either lost in primaries, lost in generals, decided to retire or died. And so he has made it so this is much more of a Trumpian Republican Party now. And And they heed his words because (laughs) they know that he will get involved. And Donald Trump prefers a Democrat to what he views as a disloyal Republican. He prefers a Democrat to be in Carlos Corbello's seat. He prefers a Democrat to be in Mia Love's seat. He prefers a Democrat to be in Jeff Flake's seat because he doesn't want to deal with what he sees as a disloyal Republican. So, you know, I, I, I get it. I get the political reality. It's just that me, me personally, Anna yeah. Navarro personally, not the pundit, as somebody who has known him for so very long, expected more of Lindsey Graham, who is brilliant, who is brilliant. He's a very smart man, and he's very respected in the Senate. Now he's got some controversy pegged to him that he should speak to him. By the way, uh, Mike, just so you know, Anna, um, you know this already. I invite the senator on all the time. I don't want to talk about him. I don't want to bring people on to take shots at him. I want him to defend himself. And in by the, the way, uh, Lindsey, always welcome. Wait, wait, he represents Chris, the people of South Cuomo, Carolina. Uh, Chris. Yeah. Lindsey, uh, if you have an issue with anything you're I'm saying, you know my number, baby. Give me a call because I got to talk to you. All right. Anna, thank you. Mike Shields. I called you Will Shields, but that's an athlete. You're an athlete of a different sort, Mike. Thank you very much. for being I'm not an athlete. 
<laughs> You're an athlete, too. We'll talk about that sport off camera. All right. President Trump has a date with the leaders of both Russia and China coming up. What's the right way to play? Remember what happened with uh, hiding the interpreter's notes. Hopefully we don't see a redux of that. But these are really big meetings. What should happen? What are we worried about potentially happening? The perfect guest with a new book about exactly this state of play. Next. Sometimes you get lucky. And we did tonight with a topic we must address. And we have the perfect guest for it. Why? Well, context. The president is planning his first face-to-face with Putin since the Mueller report. At the same time, the president is taking his trade fight with China to the next level. So guess who we have? Knows both of the issues, look deeply into the roots of where we are and where we might be. Jim Shudo just wrote this book in my hand, The Shadow War Inside Russia's and China's Secret Operations to Defeat America. You can't be more on point than this book. Jimmy? I couldn't be even close to objective about you. We went to college together. I love everything you've been doing. You're so successful. Uh, you're so deep in your knowledge about this. I don't know how you had time with the kids and your family uh, and the show to write the book, but you did it. And I'm I owe working. them a lot, just to be clear. Tomorrow goes on sale. <laughs> it does. All right. Beautiful. Shadow War um, now coming out of the shadows with these two big meets. Mm-hmm. Tell us, what is the plus minus on the meeting with Putin? Listen, if Trump is willing to, to publicly or even privately com- confront the Russian president on all the ways it's trying to undermine this country, fantastic. That's a win. But that's Zero something, indication. No. I mean, that, that has been his, his attitude since prior to the election and since the election. And, and, you know, against the advice of his own senior most advisors, right? You see that people inside and outside the administration mm-hmm. say the president won't go there. Why is that? I mean, there's a personal connection or an affront that he takes based on the interference in the election. It's an insult to his victory in some way. But... For for our interests, America's interests, when every military commander, every intelligence official and the president's own appointed advisors know that Russia is acting every way, every day in ways to undermine this country, but the president won't confront them. That's a problem. But it's great for Russia. And it's one of the things you get into about what will feed their own reach and their own aggression. How does this play into it? Listen, here's the thing. Russia is fighting a war every day to undermine the U.S., Fronts that we know, we know, Americans know that Russia interfered in the election. Uh, Do they know that they also attempted to interfere in 2018 and will do again in 2020? Maybe not so much. They don't know that Russia has deployed weapons in space. That sounds like Star Wars, but it's a fact today that there are kamikaze satellites, as U.S. Space Command refers to them, that, that are capable of taking out the satellites we depend on, our military does, civilian technologies. Russia is fighting a war under the waves. They're deploying more advanced, quieter submarines so that they could deploy their nuclear weapons closer to the U.S. shores without warning. They're finding multiple ways to undermine the U.S., something that America figured out belatedly is only trying to address now. But that anybody involved in this issue says the only way to win that, to fight back, is to have leadership from the top, which it doesn't have. And the remarkable thing is that China... Two different countries, two different histories, two different continents, you name it, two different governments, is fighting a very similar strategy to under, undermine the U.S. Now, he, they have an outwardly trade uh, and economic situation. Mm-hmm. You know, one absolute problem for the U.S. is that U.S. markets have priced in a successful deal they with have. China. So if you don't get one, you're going to have market issues, and that could undermine the economy mm-hmm. at the worst possible time for this president going into re-election. But in the larger architecture mm-hmm. of the division between the two countries, what does the tariff battle mean? 
Listen, it, it means we're in a situation, we're in a game of chicken, basically, on this trade war, right? And, and, and here's something of an irony or contradiction. The president will not confront Russia, a clear adversary of the U.S., for whatever reason. Uh, on China, he is confronting them in a way that previous presidents, Republican and Democrat, have not been willing to do, and that is on trade. We have known China is a bad actor on trade for years. They, they, they restrict U.S. companies in China in a way that they steal that we do IP. Not, they steal IP. There's a chapter in this book about, you know, the, the thousands of spies that China deploys to steal both state and private sector information. They do it really well. It's, it's state-sponsored theft. So, so, so Trump is confronting them on that. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. that, that's a good thing. The question is, will his strategy work? Can you beat them with a cudgel, in effect, and get what you want? Because, in effect, he's demanding China change its economic model here. We'll see. And, and listen, the U.S. has a strong economy. President feels he's got a strong hand. We can fight this battle now while the economy's strong. China has limitless stimulus. And they can also fight this battle. And I'll tell you, we talk about U.S. domestic politics. China's an authoritarian country, but it has its own domestic politics. It has zero political incentive to give in to an American president, to kowtow to an American president. That's a game of chicken. Here's my uh, sell for Jimmy's book. First of all, congratulations again. I Thank love you, brother. Uh, here's why. These are tough topics that he breaks down so that if you read this book, you are 100% up to speed on both fronts. And they each have at least five fingers off the palm of their main incentive and their main plan. He did a damn good job on this. The Shadow War deserves everything that comes its way in terms of sales and accolades. The Shadow War, Jimmy Shudo, goes on sale tomorrow. The best to you again, huh? Thank you, sir. Thank I you for being it. here tonight. Help good me out. To be here. All right, so the Attorney General has done a very big thing tonight on our watch. The President said, I want to look more. I want more people looking at how did this probe start? Why did they do it? A top-notch federal prosecutor who has a long history of get, getting to the bottom of stippy, sticky subjects. He was just picked by Barr. Why now? What will he do? What does it mean? And we're going to take on what Lindsey Graham used to say and says now with a man who understands the law better than I've ever dreamed of it. Next. All right, it looks like the president's getting his longstanding wish. His attorney general uh, turned defense attorney putatively, Bill Barr, has gotten a top federal prosecutor to investigate the oranges. Remember that trouble with origins of the Russia investigation? Let's bring in Ken Cuccinelli, Virginia's former AG, obviously. Good to have you. Uh, one thin topic, one thick topic tonight. Thin because, look, Durham deserves respect. He's been in the DOJ since 1982. He's been used yeah. by AGs of both parties. Uh, he's a man who's respected for his ability to look. There's no reason to prejudice any of it, except on one level has nothing to do with Durham. You already have a U.S. prosecutor in Utah has been looking at this uh, for a while for the same reason. We don't know what he's come up with. You have the IG looking at it, Horowitz. Uh, we don't know what his report is yet. Why do this now? Well, Horowitz is looking at a defined slice of it, and the IG has to operate that way, and the, their powers are limited within the, um, within the department to a certain extent. So um, the, the, I think the better question is the one you raised about Utah and what's going to be the interaction between Durham, who is a 37-year career professional 1982 has been in there. I mean, and as you noted, yeah, I mean, he's been in there a long time, and he's worked on sensitive matters mm -hmm. for as you noted, Chris, attorneys general of both parties. And, and by all accounts, on all of those uh, efforts, he's done, a, he's done a good job. So that's all positive. I don't think this is out of the blue. I think that, uh, I mean, I'm somebody who's been 
who's raised questions in our earlier discussions mm -hmm. about the origin of this investigation. And, 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 and let's break that into two parts, if we could. There's starting the investigation, and then there is some of how they conducted it, most particularly the FISA warrant with respect to Carter Page. Mm -hmm. That looks to be the FBI's weakest point in light of the weakness of the Steele dossier and what they didn't tell that court. So I think they're on much better footing uh, with Mr. Durham um, with starting the investigation at all. But some of the tactics used, most, most particularly the FISA warrant, are going, to, uh, are going to be very difficult well, for them to defend, I think. Jim Baker, you know, one of the guys who was involved with that, does not see the reason for speculation. Right. We'll General see counsel. if it bears it out. Um, one, someone who agrees with you is Lindsey Graham. And I want to ask you something. Do you think it's just politics that has led to his difference in perspective, that he got beat up in the numbers really badly for the way he spoke about Trump during the primary, and now that he's president... He's making his play, doesn't want to be Tom Tillis, doesn't want to be caught outside his own party getting primaried. And that's why he's saying things that run completely contrary to what he said in the past. Look, uh, I'm not terribly in the habit of defending Lindsey Graham, but I would point out that in that primary where Lindsey was one of the 17 candidates, mm -hmm. when he got out, you remember all the jokes he used to make about Ted Cruz and including yeah. one about killing him on the Senate floor? And I'll never support Ted Cruz. Who did he endorse? Mm -hmm. He endorsed Ted Cruz for president. So he, look, Lindsey Graham is a political operator uh, and he adjusts as the circumstances change. Some of that is politics and frankly, some of it is very sincere. Uh, Donald Trump you, some people will view this differently, has been kind of a learning experience for a lot of people in the Republican Party. And that doesn't mean they've adopted him or some of them oppose him based on what they've learned. But it, he has been a completely unique animal. And I, I don't know that any of the usual plays uh, descriptions but just, work here. It's so now, just one thing. I, you, you know, Lindsey Graham 20 years ago, 20 years different ago guy. said something very different than he said different, today. Different guy. I mean, just him yeah, saying well, to, to yes. Trump Jr., ignore the subpoena. True. I mean, what lawyer would say that? You know, I mean, I get that he's playing politics. He wants to be a little deferential. But telling Trump Jr., ignore the subpoena? And I know he walked it back. I know he's not going to tell somebody openly to break the law. But is that really just politics or is that just doing too much to be too nice? Um. I'm not sure how to describe it, but I would say that I think the Trump Jr. subpoena is in a category of its own. What I haven't seen reported or discussed very much is when he went back and testified before them for eight or nine hours previously, um, the deal with the committee, with the same chairman, as I recall, was that he would sit one time and he would sit as long as they wanted him and answer every question they wanted. Right. And he did that. And now it is the Senate committee that's going back on that Arrangement. Well, they got new information. So, Jared you know, Kushner went back twice. sensitive to those sorts of Kushner things. went back twice. He didn't but have But then any they issue. shouldn't have made the deal in the first place. Yeah, but Jared, di Jared didn't make that kind of a deal. Hey, look, you just um, said... And Donald one, Trump Jr. hasn't been part of the administration. You said that this president uh, has changed, uh, been a learning curve for people. We've had to learn that just what you hear today may not be what you hear tomorrow. They're adjusting to that as well. Ken, I got to jump. I'm out of time, but I, I, I really appreciate this. And as Good we learn with you, more Chris. about what's going on, I love having you back. Love having you often and early. Thank you, sir. I'll be All back. Right. Different story, but really interesting. You Game of Thrones person? I'm, I'm going to try very hard not to give anything away. I don't know if you're catching up or whatever. But it's not unusual for when something becomes hot, people start naming kids after characters, right? But there are a lot of people who name their kid after a main character in Games of Thrones, Game of Thrones that really 
changed what she's about last night. And I feel like there could be 500, if not more, parents across this country right now like this. What did we do? Next. I really don't want to spoil Game of Thrones if, if you're not all up to date on it, but I got to tell you, today the parents all over this country with very mixed emotions from what happened on the show last night because you got 560 people who have named their kids after a character who went totally bad last night. Things went really bad if you are somebody who want your kid to be named after Daenerys Targaryen, uh, a.k.a. Khaleesi. Uh, you know, she's been, you know, the central heroine of the whole thing. Not after last night, and it ain't like it was just a moment of some character weakness either. So in 2011, at least 3,500 American girls, since 2011, um, 3,500 girls have been named Khaleesi or Daenerys. Now, I want to bring in Donald Lemon, whose nope, parents nope, may also nope, be worried nope, about nope, his choice of nope, first name. No, nope, Donald. It's not J. Donald. Lemon. It's not Donald. <laughs> How dare you? What? I'm out of here. What? My name is not Donald. Who says? My birth certificate. You have it? <laughs> Who are you, Trump? And I'm Obama? What the hell's going on here? <laughs> You're the one named after this president. You tell me. That makes me Obama. I have never been happier that my name is not Donald. Uh, everyone calls, calls me Donald. They thought it was Don, Donald. It's Donald Don. J. Lemon. It's not, it's not J. But you know, even the internet has my middle name wrong. It's kind of weird. <laughs> says when I look. Yours, your middle name is like, A. Like, <laughs> so what do you do if you're a parent and you named your kid after a character in a TV show that you love and that yeah. character winds up being a homicidal maniac? Yeah. What, what do you do? I, I can answer that very easily. I would never name my child after a television character. I wouldn't. And I mean, if, if, but if you made the commitment, leave it. Obviously, you like the name. I mean, it's a fictional character. What does it matter anyways? But I just think it's weird. I don't even watch Game of Thrones. Can I tell you my Game of Thrones story? Please. So I was, <laughs> so I was dating this guy. He loved Game of Thrones. And it was like one of our first dates. And he's like, I got to get home. I got to watch Game of Thrones. All right. So I watched Game of Thrones. On, and I'm like looking at him like, what is this crap? And I just I said, can we like mess around or something? I don't want to see this. <laughs> watch Game of Thrones. Come on, better things to do on a Sunday night. Um, in truth, maybe he didn't like Game of Thrones in the day. It wasn't what he was like, and he wanted to get like, out of there, and then you followed him home. Uh, no, he just said that was an excuse to get rid of me, and he successfully <laughs> did. So listen, um, yes, interesting stuff coming up. You know these trade wars and all the tariffs, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to speak to someone who voted for this president, a farmer, who's hurting right now, oh, good. concerned about losing his farm, and also uh, concerned about who to vote for next time. He said it may not be this president. This person for president next time. We'll mm. talk to him. Fighting yeah. for the heart of the country. These farmers are right in the crosshairs of this trade policy. Yeah. Great guest for you. D. Lemon, my man. I'll talk to you See in a you second. In a bit. <laughs> All right. We should be used to it uh, by now. But this president likes to say nice things about bad leaders. Why? We have a latest example of it today. And it's something that you have to look at because... There's too much talk about good explanations that don't hold water. So let's, let's argue what's obvious. Next. 
I was going to do a clever misdirection play for the argument, describing something that sounds like our president, but it's actually some despot. But you know what? There's no need for any device or to be clever. American presidents don't lift up bad guys, and that's a good thing. Strong men prey on pandering. But for some reason, this president panders like we have never seen before. Look at the contrast. Reagan, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. This president, nice wall. Those Russians sure can build. You know, look, this isn't funny. It's absurd, which can play. Absurdity can play as comedy until the consequence comes. The oppression from a despot. And worse, the inability to counter a despot because of how out of position the U.S. is from all the pandering. No recent president, Republican or Democrat, has tried flattery of foreign fascist types for two reasons. It's not in America's interests to embrace those who would destroy democracy. And personally, embracing bad guys diminishes their position. But not this president. Putin, Kim, Duterte, El Sisi, now Orban. Look at Viktor Orban in Hungary for what he is. No real free press. Slam so-called fake news. Cozying up to Putin. Hard line on immigration. Accused of starving asylum seekers. He recently said this. We must defend Hungary as it is now. We must state we don't want to be diverse. We don't want to be mixed. We do not want our own. We want our own color, traditions and national culture to be mixed with those of others. We don't want that. We do not want this. We do not want that at all. We do not want to be a diverse country. Sound familiar? That's because it is familiar. Here's Steve King of GOP Congress infamy. You cannot rebuild your civilization with somebody else's babies. You've got to keep your birth rate up and that you need to teach your children your values. And in doing so, then you can grow your population and you can strengthen your culture. You can strengthen your way of life. That's the same Steve King that our president still refuses to criticize. People wonder why. My question is, why wonder? He's now praising Orban for the same reason that he won't go against King. He's okay with what they say. Viktor Orban has uh, done a tremendous job in so many different ways. Highly respected, respected all over Europe. Uh, Probably like me, a little bit controversial, but that's okay. That's okay. You've done a good job and you've kept your country safe. No, not safe. Safe from what? Democracy? Diversity, not respected all over Europe. Look at the organizations there and what they're saying about him. In 2015, Orban, Trump, Trump, he built this big-ass fence and sold it as a way to protect Hungary from an invasion of asylum seekers. And then he tried to build Brussels, the central seat of the EU, saying that they owed Hungary for protecting all the citizens of Europe from the flood of illegal migrants. It's as if he wrote a script for this president. And I know the pushback. It can't hurt to be nice. It depends on whom you choose to be nice to and why. My argument is we know why. And I don't need to say it because this president's own person says it. No irony, his ambassador to Hungary, David Kornstein, the U.S. ambassador there, told The Atlantic in a new interview, Trump, quote, would love to have the situation that Viktor Orban has. There you go. Now, we call it out because you, what you ignore, you empower. So we call it out. You allow an administration to flout oversight, 
shirk constitutional mandates, badmouth judiciary, stack the courts with ideological exemplars, constantly seek wedge issues, carving the country into us and them, you mix in an increasingly hostile attitude toward longtime friends and warmth for perceived foes, and where does it end up? The most obvious point here is that you do not hear this president's pals saying, Orban is a bad guy, POTUS is nothing like him. They're saying the opposite. My argument is enough with the rationales, enough with reaching for reasons for why this might make sense in some alternate reality. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.